Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Today, I wanted to talk about the trends in 2020 overall and where the opportunities, I think, lie and where the risks lie. And I've got 10 specific trends and 10 specific um, angles, I think, that you should be looking at in 2020 for real estate investing. Um, The first one is uh, the bigger picture. There's more demand in bigger cities where the jobs are, and that includes, of course, Denver, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Boston, you know, oddly enough, uh, Boston, they're not fleeing so much out of Boston like they are out of New York. And that's going to mean for those cities, uh, continually higher prices and higher rents. Um, so that's that's the first trend is is there's just real estate is local and you, you go where the jobs are and the jobs are in those those cities and and many smaller cities, but those are the big cities. Um, I'll talk about some of the smaller cities in a little bit. This means um, if you invest in the bigger cities, you should expect increase in values, increase in rents. And even if you don't have as much cash flow if you're in a big city because of values are so high, if you buy high and rent, you're not going to get as much as, let's say, uh, you know, in Denver, I bought a lot of properties uh, 10 years ago for 50, 60 grand that are worth 350 now. Um, for me, they're wow, you know, great, great return. But if you buy, if I was going to buy a 350 property now and rent it for 1800, I wouldn't be as excited. Um, or 1600, I wouldn't be as excited. But I would know that over the next couple of years, uh, I would expect that 350 to go up in value and the rents to go up as well. And if you look at places like Los Angeles, um, people will routinely in Southern California, Orange County, they continually lose money every year on rentals and make it back on appreciation, right? Because the values are moving faster than rents in the big cities, which makes buying a new rental house, this is my second point, uh, um, harder to cash flow. So if you have existing rentals that you bought well, just keep them if you have good, and if you have don't have good loans, and refinance them to better loans and lower rates. Um, even if you could buy and break even, the appreciation play may be the way to go uh, if you live in a bigger city or invest in a bigger city. Um, again, in places like Southern Cal, people will lose, you know, buy a six or seven hundred thousand or a million dollar house, lose ten grand a year on cash flow. Uh, for five years, that's 50 grand, and then it'll go up 200,000 in value, and then so they'll net 150 over five years, which is still a, a good profit, right? It's just that if you need the cash flow now, you're not going to get it. If you would rather do a longer term play and make a bigger chunk at the back end, that's just a difference. So it's not like, you know, a lot of investors will say only buy for cash flow you know must cash flow don't buy anything that's negative don't buy anything that's break even and i don't necessarily agree with that because if you have a good job and good income and you don't need income right now then why buy cash flowing properties that'll just 
put you in a higher tax bracket and make you pay more taxes. You might enjoy better having a loss for five years that you can wash against your income and then maybe get a chunk of change at the back end, which is capital gain, you know, which is a lower rate of tax, at, you know, maximum 20% versus, you know, upwards of if you're in California, for example, state and federal, you could be as high as 60% um, tax. Or you can exchange that property after five years and buy something else and just do it again. Um, and defer paying the tax on that. So um, it's not always about cash flow. It's, it's some people would rather have the cash flow or the or the equity or the cash chunks later than have it now, just for tax reasons. Uh, number three uh, trend is that interest rates will remain low, so that buying low end rentals, even at a premium price, may be worth it for a thirty year fixed rate at a low rate. If you can get a property, you know, that's, um, let's, let, let's take a market like, a, let's say, Indianapolis or Columbus, Ohio. If you bought a $150,000 house, which is pretty average priced house there, um, maybe a little below average, and you paid one fifty flat out, full price, and got a 30-year fixed rate at 5%, um, rents are going to rise and your payment's going to remain the same. So that's still a good investment. Now, even if it goes down in value, let's say it goes down and the market, you know, takes a correction and it goes down to 125 for a while and then comes back up, you know, three or four years later, as long as the rents are there to cover your mortgage, you will do well and you probably might even cash flow as values are dropping. Because because rents and values don't always move in the same direction. Right now they are right? because of lack of inventory, prices are high rents are high but there was a time like 2003 2004 2006 where everybody was buying because they were handing out money like candy right remember those they would say you know one percent interest um that was fixed for you know 30 seconds and then went up to an adjustable <laughs> i'm only kidding maybe maybe fixed for a year uh and then went to an adjustable um and the mortgage broker promised, don't worry, after within a year, I'll refinance you into a 30-year mortgage that's fixed. And, of course, you know, they call back in 10 months and the number's disconnected. Um, so a lot a lot of people were running out and buying instead of renting. And rent rentals um, demand went down and rents went down. I remember my rentals were really tough. Vacancy rate in Denver in, in, during that time period was 14%. 14%. And I remember having a lot of properties that I could barely break even on because everybody wanted to buy and nobody wanted to rent. So um, you, you got to watch those markets independently, you know, the rental market and the, and the, uh, the value market. And again, if you fix your interest rate for 30 years at a low rate, um, even though that's technically a debt, it becomes an asset if interest rates rise. Because if inflation kicks in, interest rates will rise, rents will go up, and your payment remains the same. And at that point, your fixed rate 5% loan in, a, in an environment where rates might be 8%, that loan becomes an asset. I mean, technically, it's a liability, but in, in uh, theory, it's really an asset because it's, uh, it's a low payment that's fixed uh, in a rising rate environment. Uh, number four, consider smaller towns where there might be more opportunities. 
um, some I did some research, and surprisingly, this is some of the uh, top growth towns uh, according to USA Today in 2020. Get this one. Uh, number 11, Greeley, Colorado. And uh, I, I knew that. I know Greeley is a, you know, for those of you who don't know it's a, where that is, that's a somewhat rural area um, about maybe 45 minutes to an hour north of the north side of Denver. Um where there's a college and a lot of farming, but it's a growing area and uh, very good for rentals. Very good for rentals. Fort Collins, not surprising. Number nine, cut another college town. Prices are a little steep there uh, because it is a small college town, um, and and uh, so it's hard to get bargains. You might be dealing with mostly college rentals, or you may have to go on the outskirts to deal with regular rentals. Um, number five, Provo, Utah. A suburb of uh, Salt Lake. Not surprising. Not surprising. Um, this one, this one surprised me only slightly because I was just there and saw it with my own eyes. Nashville is number two, um, and I was just in Nashville about a month ago, and I could see cranes everywhere downtown. I mean, they are building like gangbusters in Nashville. Uh, so Nashville, you know, not a big city, but um, I think great opportunity for rentals, for both appreciation and rentals. And the number one small town growth, get this one, St. George, Utah. That one blew me away. That one blew me away as opportunity for rental properties. Um, you know, that's uh, southwest Utah in the Four Corners area. Um, you know, it's always been sort of like a vacation area, but it's been growing like gangbusters and it's the number one predicted one for 2020 and i also take a little bit of this with a grain of salt when usa today or any newspaper says here's our top picks you know that's not guaranteed but um according to the stats uh those are the ones they picked and and those were some of those were surprises and uh might be some opportunity <clears throat> in terms of um cash flow versus values um Denver is not on the top of the list. Um, here is um, the, uh, I pulled up a list from realwealthnetwork.com, had done statistics on average rents versus values and cap rates. And the top 10 cities for cash flow were, not surprisingly, number 10, Indianapolis. Uh, surprisingly, number nine, Chicago. Um, that was a surprise to me. I thought that, I guess it depends on what neighborhood you're in Chicago, right? Um, um, not surprisingly, number eight, Cincinnati, number seven, Cleveland, number six, Houston. Uh, I've always known Houston to be good value versus rent. Number five, Huntsville, Alabama, number four, Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh has always been ad SH into the beginning, uh, but Pittsburgh is making an economic comeback. Uh, I've been there recently, and it was traditionally a dump of a town, uh, for many years because the steel industry left, but it's making a comeback. Um, good place for rentals. Um, number three, no surprise on this one, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, one of the biggest, actually it's the biggest geographic city in the United States. Um, you could still buy houses for a hundred grand and rent them for a thousand bucks a month there. Um, and there's just a lot of people, a lot of jobs, and it's not flooded with investors and it's not really difficult to find a deal for a rental property 
Number two, Tampa, Florida, and I've been saying that for a while, Tampa, Florida, west coast of Florida did not recover like the east coast did from the, from the crash. So from, from St. Petersburg all the way up through the capital, um, has really took a hard hit after 2008 um, and is now just, just coming around, but there's still opportunities. I think Tampa, Florida, and the suburbs – you could get some real good opportunities there for rental properties. Number one, this one surprised me a little bit because it's a little pricey, but Orlando, Florida. Um, very diverse economy. Uh, a lot of tourism, but not just tourism. Their, their economy is much diverse. And the prices are much higher than they are in places like, like um, um, Tampa or Jacksonville. But according to the, stati the statistics, the rents versus values are there. And you can expect good appreciation. It's a hot market. Uh, if you do buy outside your home area, here's some things you need to consider. Um, do your homework on the laws, the rules, and the regulations of uh, rental properties. Um, figure out what drives the jobs and the population growth. Um, so, so you're not buying into something temporary. Uh, you know, a college town will always be a college town. You rarely hear a college folded up and filed bankruptcy. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. But if there's one major employer, um, you know, it used to be Orlando was a little risky because Disney was the only game in town. And now, of course, diverse economy. Disney can really literally fold up and go, and Orlando wouldn't probably blink an eye because they've got so much other uh, business there. Um Learn about rental regulations, eviction rules, the proper lease forms. Don't assume that your rules are the same uh, in those states. So learn all that stuff. And find the players. You need a property manager or two. You're going to interview several. Real estate agent, lender, local lender, commercial lender, contractors, handymen, etc. This is a lot of work to do for one or two houses. Don't buy one in Indianapolis and one in um, uh, Jacksonville and one in Columbus. That, that's spreading yourself too thin. Instead, pick a, if you're going to buy out of state, pick an area, get to know it, and buy a bunch. Because once you have all the research done and all the players lined up, then it's just you know piece by piece adding the pieces to the puzzle. Number five opportunity I think is going to be in fix and flips. Um, not just carpet and paint and new appliances. Those are very hard to find at a reasonable price. Uh, but major rehabs, pop tops, scrape and build, um, scrape and put two houses on one lot, or scrape and build a duplex. Uh, hugely profitable, especially in the cities, the bigger cities where the values are moving up substantially and where inventory is low. Um, so looking for opportunities where something may be zoned for two family, but there's only one house on it and it's got a big lot and you could scrape it and build maybe front to back or side to side or a duplex or a triplex or something like that. Big money in that. Number six, changing the zoning or use of a property. Um, cities love approving changes for things like mixed use. That's usually um, retail stores on the first level apartments maybe on the second level or office on the second level and apartments on the third level. Um, the cities love approving zoning changes and they love, 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 love anything low income gets approved. Um, micro apartments is also a big trend. Small apartments that are 300 square feet or so, 
Um, parking is a little challenging with that. You know, if you have um, um, a lot that uh, you're going to build, uh, you know, 100 micro units, 100 parking spaces is pretty hard to do. Uh, but the cities have been a little flexible in that, especially if you're right near public transportation, like in Denver, the light rail or something like that. Um, low income housing. I was just talking to someone the other day about about building um, European style or college dorm style, if you will, um, low income housing with bathrooms and, and kitchens down the hall and just bedrooms, uh, you know, two, 300 square feet for low income people. Um, that's the kind of thing the city would approve. And parking is not an issue because these people don't own cars. Uh, and the city might even give you a tax break um, or they might, they might kick in money or, or, or maybe even donate you land if they own it. Um, look into stuff like that. that was, there's a big opportunity for low income because there's just nobody's building it and people are getting squeezed out of the rental market and the buying market. Buying notes, number seven. Buying notes can be very lucrative in this market. Um, you could buy performing notes. Uh, you could search records and find seller carry notes and buy them at a discount and get a nice yield. Non-performing notes, buying from banks or hedge funds and then working it out with the borrower or foreclosing it and getting the property. Uh, and the other side of it, lending, lending money, lending private money, hard money loans, private loans uh, to other real estate investors and businesses, very lucrative. Uh, number eight, tax liens. This is something that really is recession proof um, because interest rates on them are mandated by law. They're guaranteed because they're a first lien on the property ahead of the first mortgage, so you know you're not going to lose. The only time you're really going to lose if you, is if nobody redeems the property and then you end up with it and it's worthless. But that happens less than 1% of the time, and if you win 99.5% of the time and lose, you know, you're only talking about a small amount, maybe, uh, uh, you know, two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 for a tax lien, and if one out of... 100 goes bad and the other 99 pay you 18% interest. I, I, that's, that's a winning game. Uh, they can be sold or traded to others if you need to cash them out. So very, very, very good investment that's recession-proof. Um, number nine is uh, not an opportunity, but I think a stay away from. Uh, big retail. Stay away from big retail. Online resellers are killing them. Um, the exception would be for maybe a small strip center or a mixed use with restaurants as tenants. Um, just don't rent a Radio Shack or something like that. <laughs> They're not even in business anymore, but you know the type of business that's not likely to stay in business. Um, and the last thing, uh, number 10, is just sticking to fundamentals. Buy low for motivated sellers. Finance well, fixed rates, low interest if you can. Um, make sure that at least breaks even or makes sense vis-a-vis -vis appreciation. Appreciation's hard to predict, so it's icing on the cake. You know, don't make a play only for appreciation. I'd be nervous about doing something like Californians doing and losing 10000 a year with the hopes of making it back in appreciation. I think that's a very risky move. Uh, if I was at least breaking even, I'd feel better. Um, and stick to lower income houses because they ain't building any more of them.
uh, in that market that uh, sort of starter homes those little 1200 square foot three bedroom uh, two bath one or two car garage built in the 50s and 60s they're just not making anything like that anymore developers are not building them because it's not profitable the cost of a development is so high the marginal cost of two by fours and drywall to make a house 3,000 square foot instead of 1500 is worth it to them to get an extra 200,000 for the house so they're not going to be building any starter homes unless the government subsidizes it um, which could be lucrative for you if you want to try something like that but you're not going to see a big flood of inventory of low-end homes affecting low-end rentals so those are always going to be a safe bet information and free articles and videos visit his website at www.legalwiz.com